As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! This is the fourth season of the Can't Wait podcast. We've said a lot of things over the years. I'm going to utter a phrase right now that has never been said on this show. The New York Jets are a good football team. That's right. The Jets are good. A four and two football. Yeah, cheer from Marissa. <laughs> Absolutely. A four and two football team, a team capable of going into Lambeau Field and dominating the Green Bay Packers. We are breaking down the big win on another, a third consecutive victory Monday here on the Can't Wait Podcast. I'm Tim McMaster, along with the Athletics Jets reporters, Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Morris, our producer. We're going to talk about what it all means being four and two at this point, what the, you know, how they did it, um, the defense especially. And we're also going to talk about where this team can still get better because Despite these three straight wins, there are still some things that could certainly improve if the Jets really want to be a team that is making a push for the playoffs. Four and two is a step, but we're not there yet. Um, Zach, you were there. So first of all, you think about Lambeau Field as like this incredible atmosphere, um, wild fans. I know it was a little chilly, you know, shirtless fans with cheese heads, everything that goes into the Lambeau Field experience. But I feel like the way this game went down with basically no points in the first half, 3-3 at halftime, then the Jets take the lead early in the second half, and the Packers are never really in it after that. They did score the one touchdown to get within a touchdown, but you probably didn't really get that full experience at Lambeau Field. Seems like it was kind of quiet. I, there actually was a decent amount of Jets fans, like a few. few I was going to bring that up too, yeah. yeah. A few yeah. of the guys in the locker room were, were talking about that. Um yeah, it was yeah, it was interesting. Um again, it's like like how I told you uh, a couple weeks ago in Pittsburgh, it was weird being in a stadium where a team had, was getting booed off the field on offense and it was not the Jets, it was because <laughs> of the Jets. Like that happened again over and over. Packers fans obviously have very high expectations um just based on like how rabid they I mean, maybe not rabid, but you know, fanatical I guess. Uh they are about their team because that's kind of all they got going on that and and cheese and all that stuff in, in Green Bay. So they, they're obsessed with the Packers, and the Packers are not looking good right now. They look like a mess. The Jets are looking really good right now. They look like the opposite of a mess. Um, 
And, uh, you know, and, and Salah's, Robert Salah's messaging, you know, we talked a lot earlier this season about how they, they tend to shoot themselves in the foot a lot. I, I've been really impressed with the way he's uh, talked about uh, the way they've been winning in the team. You know, the, he comes out and uh, the first question is something about what this win means. And, you know, he maybe goes a little too hard in the other direction. He's like, it, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, win or loss wouldn't mean anything. We just want this to be the expectation now. Like that's 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 he's like overcompensating yeah. for his previous um, stuff. <laughs> but his like that's been his line to the team. Like let's make this the standard. Let's make it so it's not such a huge surprise when the Jets win on Sunday, kind of thing. And that's kind of and that was kind of the the message coming out of the locker room when you talk to everybody in there. Uh, they know what everybody thinks about the Jets. They know what everybody has said about the Jets, and they un they understand why the fans have been mad for so long and expect the worst. Um, and this 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 team that this rookie class is free agents. Uh, this front office, the coaching staff, they've all like really tried to change that culture of same old Jets. And um, like, like I wrote about and like I was tweeting about last night, like it's time to like stop expecting the worst all the time. Honestly, like I know, look, it's a long season ahead and things can still obviously change, but and they've played really well. And like you said, there's a lot of stuff they could fix. Like they're winning in spite of some things, uh, which is not like a thing they were doing before. And if the defense is going to keep playing this well, like. They're, they're going to be able to match up with anybody. Uh, and so it'll come down to the offense playing playing their part, which, you know, a lot of times I wait till the fourth quarter to do it, but uh, the, the final score still shows a win at the end of the day. So um, three wins in a row, four and two. As of right now, they'd, they'd be like the fifth seed in the playoffs. Uh, a couple of division games coming up pretty soon. That'll like really dictate what the season's going to look like. But uh, th there's nothing but optimism that you can have coming out of that game. You mentioned culture and obviously a head coach, part of the job of a head coach coming in and taking over a team, especially a bad team, is to change that culture. You also think of that with like veteran free agent signings, right? Like I know there was a thought process that CJ Mosley would be a guy that could change the culture of the Jets. Obviously, he had the injuries. What you don't necessarily expect is for rookies to change the culture. Yeah. But Sauce Gardner, man, the cheese head on, I mean, that's that's the type of thing that changes it too. Like it's not just that he's a great player and you know he talks and and whatever, but everyone in that locker room is gonna remember him coming in with the cheese head, right? Like that's and that's what helps build it. And I think that is also a culture changing thing. And obviously, it annoyed the Packers, <laughs> but but the Jets don't play the Packers every year. It's not yeah, like it's, yeah, this not is like, something like that's going to come back. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to come back to haunt them like the Packers are going to be like, we're mad about the cheese head and come after them. <laughs> but I think it does make a difference for this Jets team to just he's just got so much. I don't know what the word. What, what's the word? Swagger, whatever. Yeah. Swagger. Swagger. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. so much. He's got really so much does. sauce. Sauce. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, uh, it's funny. I Before the game, when I was walking in the stadium, I saw a fan. And I tweeted out a photo. There's a fan who had like a. He like redid the the cheese head to like be themed around sauce. Like it, it was like a different color and it had sauce on it. And um, had, like, number, like it, it was like and then to like full circle come around and sauce has the whole thing with it. Not only did he have the cheese head, but like so from my perspective, just to give you like behind the scenes. So we the game, I, I start going down, heading down to the locker room because the Jets um, <laughs> cheese sauce. Yeah. Uh, so the Jets were blowing them out, so we knew it was over. Like a lot of times, you stay up there until the game's over because you you want to make sure you know that these games are always close with the Jets. It seemed like, or something crazy happens at the end. But this game was out of reach, so I started heading down the locker room. It's like a long trek to the locker room at Lambeau. It's like a very it's an old stadium, obviously. Um, so as I'm going down, so all I know at that point is that Sauce had left the game to get checked for a concussion. He went into the locker room. As I'm in the elevator, I start seeing tweets about how he 
he went he came back and he played at the end of the game and then i'm then we're getting to like the press conference room and there's like all this stuff about how he got a he took a cheese head from a fan or a fan gave it to him and and he's going around he's he's standing up he's putting his arms up and he's you know rallying the crowd and then he starts going into the wrong locker room uh, tunnel which is when alan lazard comes over and knocks his thing off uh he picks it right back up, goes to the locker room. I I noticed. I mean, this is what this, that was like the crux of my like lead of my story and the idea behind it. And then you get to the locker room, and he just has it propped up in his locker. It's still sitting there. He showers. He does interviews. He's walking out. He has it in his hand. He's like holding on to it, like he's he just like doesn't want to like forget this moment or whatever. And and then somebody on the team told me that he put it on again, either on the team bus or the team plane. Like he, it, I don't know. It's just, Something about him and, you know, he's representative of this whole rookie class and the new culture. It's just like, they're just like a fun group. They're, they have the personality and they have the talent to back it up. Um, it's no, like it, it's no longer like the idea. It's not like, you know, with the Jets, it was always, okay, they have a few guys and maybe they're okay. And so, you know, maybe we'll be better in a couple of years. Like they, they build around these guys and, and it's, it's not like a down the line thing now. Like it really does feel like this team is living in this moment again. Again, I mean, it was the last time they did that. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, it's, it's it's special. And he's he's a special, special player. He's, you know, as the weeks have gone on, you know, he's been consistently good every week. So we've had, you know, waves of other guys like like a Garrett Wilson who had a, who would have a couple of good games or even like Zach Wilson would have a good game or uh, Brees Hall has, you know, come on the last couple of weeks. Sauce has been this way since week one. He has, he has not wavered from how good he was in week one. He's dominated on the field. He's he's talked a lot of trash and backed it up. He's so likable and he talks like I mean I, even if you remember from the interview we did on here that yep. we posted on here like you could just tell it like all the like I know you guys loved the the stuff he was talking about with like the fridge and all that stuff like it that's just like his personality he's just like maybe as he gets bigger and bigger that'll you won't see that as much M maybe not I don't know but they they should feel very good about their draft and the culture they're building in there and uh, like you said like Haas is just like so emblematic of how things are changing. Yeah, and there was no moment when Aaron Rodgers like got sauce during that game. No, like, absolutely not. Um, all the wins up until this point, right? You could put an asterisk next to it. Like the Browns imploded in the final couple minutes of that game, allowing the Jets to kind of come back and win that one. Uh, Mitch Trubisky with the Steelers was the quarterback. I mean, that's you just say Mitch Trubisky, um, third string quarterback for the Dolphins. Um, but this one, there's none of that. There's a Hall of Fame no. quarterback who, yeah, maybe his thumb hurts or whatever, but he's he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. He started this football game. Uh, he threw it 40 times. This is a team that's got talent on both sides of the ball. Um, they've been a Super Bowl contender for, for years, and it was in their house, and the Jets go in and win it. There's, there's nothing that you can, like, take away from this one. It's just a good win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was even though they did like pull away in the fourth and stuff, they they never trailed in this game. Um, it was like pretty clear that I mean the, the offense was, you know, stagnant. That's something we'll have to talk about, obviously, mm -hmm. just because, like you said, that uh, since we're talking about them as like winners now, and like you have to think about like okay, how do they get to the playoffs and, and all that stuff? Like they need to not start so slow because they're not going to be able to come back against some teams like the Bills or. Um, you know, as the, even the Patriots are looking a little better in that the second half of the schedule that, you know, there's some teams in there to play the bills again, and they play the Vikings on the road. Like there's some good teams that's going to be harder to really like come back from that. Um, so they need to do better than that. But, uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Michael Reese had a comment. He said, has any rookie been more influential on the culture than Zach Rosenblatt? That's a great 
great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you tweeted, uh, the Jets have been four and two after six games every year you've covered them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was one person that was confused by it. He's like, did you just start covering the team? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a joke. <laughs> that's the joke. Um, I forget what, I started rambling. I forgot what direction I was going, but, um, it was a win. It was a good win. Yeah. Basically it was the, yeah, that it yeah. was, there's nothing yeah. we can take away from. Oh, it. exactly. Yeah. That, and that's the thing. Like they were, they led off. They either led or were tied for all four quarters, their defense, you know, the Packers, you know, you can, you can say what you want about his receivers and his thumb and all that stuff, but those are, it's really just excuses. Like that, that, that was a team that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender this year. And um, you're seeing it with both the giants and jets team, just keep like, second guessing them and you know saying ah oh, that was not good of a win that wasn't a good of a win and then you look up and they're five and one and four and two so at the end of the day all that matters is that you have a win especially and what the thing that people outside of new york keep overlooking is that you know especially like other fan bases that get all mad like dolphins fans are getting real mad about how much the jets were celebrating that win last week what teams from other fan bases are forgetting is that the jets and giants don't win games so when they win a game, it doesn't matter how they won it. They don't. They never used to win those games, even when the ones they were supposed to. So, um, there, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. And uh, you know, I, 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 I bet, I bet, I didn't bet, I didn't bet on this actually. I, I picked the Jets <laughs> to beat the Packers, uh, in, both in the story and on here. I, I did it without like 100% confidence. In retrospect, I don't know. Maybe I, there was something in the wind that made me feel that they could get that the Packers were, you know, going to fumble the bag or something, but uh now it's week every week like i they outside of the bills game i i i'm gonna have to consider picking the jets almost every week yeah especially wow. if they keep getting i'm six gonna consider points, it i'm right? not saying like, i'm going to I'm, my point being like they you have to like yeah. dip, okay maybe they have a chance in this game yeah is the number out for the broncos game yet yeah i, I looked earlier half, i think right? it was three and a half broncos favorite yeah. They're at home, which is just home, uh, right? Three points for being yeah. home, and so it's I mean, kind we'll of a see, pick we'll see. based on what happens tonight uh, on Monday because uh, they're playing right, tonight. Right. If if they play well, that could go up. If they don't, um, I, but uh, the the Jets are have been the underdog every game. I imagine they'll be the underdog for the re until the bye at least. I I mean maybe against the pa the Patriots are playing better, so I feel like Vegas is probably going to favor the Patriots. Uh, and then after the bye, they have some games where maybe they'll be the favorite, but. They still are going to be the underdogs a lot, so and I'm sure yeah. fans like that. I, you see, you talk about that with fans, and that they prefer to, you know, the whole underdog thing is a very, very big thing to to rally around. So um, I'm I'm excited for. I mean, not to get too far ahead of myself, but I am excited for that Patriots game at MetLife. I think it's going to be a pretty pretty fun atmosphere there because everything that's happened on the road, uh, you're going to be playing the Patriots division game. Everybody hates the Patriots around here, um, so that, that's going to be a lot of fun. There's a game in between that, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, all right. Some other things to get to big picture wise. You talked a little bit about the, um, you know, what this means, where they're headed. But um, from a coaching standpoint, too, I wanted to touch on the LaFleurs and the battle of the LaFleurs. And Michael, he's always got a few. Mike's always got a few little tricks up his sleeve. And the fascinating thing about this game was some of them worked. Um, Barrios's touchdown obviously worked perfectly. Um, CJ got out on the block. It, it just worked like you wanted to. And then Brees Hall scores a touchdown on one that went completely wrong. And it's funny because I, I had read your story before I saw that. I had missed that play live. Um, I read your story about how it was a botched play. And then I watched the video. And when you see it the first time, you're like, just hand it off to him. He goes up yeah. the middle. Yeah, but then yeah, when yeah. you watch it back, you see that Garrett Wilson is coming around and was yeah. supposed to get it. 
so it's all coming up roses for LaFleur in this offense right now as as far as the running game goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the funny thing is it, it looked it was a good play design, which is part of why, you know, that so they well, had the two running backs in there again, which it seems like is when a lot of their big plays happen when those both guys are in there. And and uh and the Packers just like fell for the fake handoff or the fake toss to Michael Carter. And so again, so they were supposed to hand it off to so he handed it off to Brees Hall and then he's supposed to toss it back to Garrett Wilson. And then Brees Hall saw a defensive end that was a little too close. So he just decided he was going to run forward and, and he, yeah, he did. He scored a great touchdown. Um, it all started, you know, it wasn't even just, you know, there was a play uh, in the red zone. They were at the one year. It was late in the game. They were putting the Packers away and they did a direct snap to Tyler Conklin on third and one to get one yard. Um, they, they had a wildcat play that wasn't as successful where Brees Hall like faked a handoff. Like he did a play action with Michael Carter, like a running back to a running back play action. Didn't work as well. Like he, clearly has some he has something in his bag of tricks i think the first half was a little tough for him there were some questionable decisions and the passing game still has to really get going but the fact that lafleur adjusts over the course of a game is very promising and and he he out he outclassed his brother in the end like i mean i know his brother doesn't call defensive plays or anything like that but you know he was, he was saying last week that on mondays they they usually talk and matt lafleur will like you know critique his play calling I, I it might maybe it'll go the other direction this monday <laughs> <laughs> well and it's interesting you say he doesn't make the defensive play calls obviously um yeah. but he prepared his defense to face yeah. an offense that he knows so well right and they were i mean they they did a good job against the the passing attack and zach wilson will get into that but um but little lafleur was able to pull a few big cats or bunnies out of the hat I'm all over the place with these analogies today. Um, we're we're going to We're all pretty tired, to be fair. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I was going to lead with that, all of our how we all got here and exhaustion, <laughs> but then I was like, I don't want to anger. But it's victory Monday. Listeners. Monday. Yeah. So you power to, through, right? Get to the game. You power yeah. through. Power uh, through. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, rest up, and come back and talk about <laughs> the defense, which really was the story of this game as far as why the Jets won it. We'll be back in a second. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to the defense specifically. And there was the two things I think that we need to get to here, and that is how they handled Aaron Rodgers and then separately what they did to shut down this running game from, from the Packers. I don't know which is more impressive, but one thing that ties both of those together is Quinn and Williams. So let's talk about Quinn and Williams. Uh, two sacks, forced fumble, blocked field goal. I mean, just a dominating performance from a guy that is now – kind of carrying this defense in in everything that he's doing, um, playing at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, but you tweeted out today, Zach, that PFF, not as impressed as us, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, I, part of me feels bad for even tweeting that out because I knew it would rile everybody up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was take, kind of taken aback by that because I, you know, I, I reference PFF and a lot of my stuff because I, I think a lot of what they do can be really help, useful tool. And I mean, even just beyond the grades, like a lot of the stats they track is are pretty helpful. Um, but yeah, they had big Quinn with like a sixty something grade, and I was talking to another Jets beat writer. I, I don't think I've seen a defensive lineman impact a game as much as he did live, like I did like he did yesterday. Uh, he, the, the, Andy is his name. He works for NJ.com. He, he referenced like Mike, Mike, Miles Garrett against the Jets a couple years ago. Mm. He said was the last time he saw someone dominate like that. Um, he, but he was, he was just, he had, he had six pressures. I think he had uh, two or three tackles for loss. Um, he was just wrecking the game from start to finish. Like he left for a few plays before halftime and then he came back out and he, he was perfectly fine. Like, he he's playing at a defensive player of the year level. Like that's he's playing an Aaron Donald level. He's on pace for like 14 sacks. Um, and th- this is going in like he's going to get paid n- probably next year. I would guess unless they get ahead of the curve, which they might want to. Uh, yeah. He's going to keep ascending like this. He's going to get a lot of money. This is kind of what the fan base has been looking for with Quinn. And you know there was always it was kind of a Leonard Williams type thing where he was always playing well, but you weren't like seeing it on the stat sheet necessarily. Or he he would come into the season banged up, so he never like was quite living up to his potential. He was always good, I think. Um, everybody was hoping for him to t- take it to the next level. And every week, he's, he's made an impact. And he's made everybody around him better. That D-line has just been absolutely dominant these last three weeks. JFM, Carl Lawson, Bryce Tuff when he's in there. Uh, Vinny Curry even had some flashes in his first game. Um, Jermaine Johnson, when he's healthy, like he's a part of this. Michael Clemens made some plays on special teams. He had, he had a blocked punt that led to a touchdown. But it, it just starts with Quinn and Williams. And if the Jets were ever going to have an all pro, it is Quinn and Williams. And you hope that he gets the attention for it. I, I think he's starting to. He won the Angry Runs Award last week from NFL uh, Good Morning Football because of his stiff arm on Tyreek. Uh, and I, I just think, you know, he just changes everything this defense can do because they don't need a blitz. They don't ever need a blitz when they have him up front because they can do a four man rush. When you can do that and you have Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outside. It allows you to get a little more creative in the middle of the field. And I think that's what you've seen the last couple of weeks. I think Jeff Ulbrich has done a much better job these last few weeks. I know he got a lot of criticism early in the season. I think he deserves praise too. I think he's kind of gone quietly right here in these last couple of games, but he's done a great job. And uh, yeah, Qu- Quinnen just, he opens everything up. He, they drafted him number two overall for a reason, and he's, he's living up to that finally. Jets last three weeks, 31 sacks and quarterback hits combined. That's the most in the NFL for the season. 48 that's third so they i mean it's been all season but they've really cranked it up the last few weeks so rogers for the game 26 of 41 246 one touchdown no picks they got to him four times i think it was a 36 yard loss too on the uh on the four sacks um they made aaron Rodgers look uncomfortable that was what kind of i took away from it that he didn't usually aaron Rodgers, even when pressure just kind of looks like he's just, he's going to get away. He's going to be elusive. There's going to be a little spin. He's going to either get rid of the ball or, or find somebody out of the backfield. Or he always knows where to go with it. And there was times in some of these sacks where it looked like he was going to do that, but then there was the jets to, to bring him down and they made, they didn't, he didn't look like Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'll say for, for yeah. a game. Yeah. Yeah. There was even plays where even where he was completing passes, they were still hitting him at the end of the play. And I don't even think, I think they might've had one roughing the passer penalty in the game. Can't remember who it might have been against Michael Clemens. Maybe I'm blanking. Um, no, it was Nathan Shepard actually. But the play, it, it had been like a touchdown anyway, so it, it got applied to like the kickoff after. But yeah, the, the defensive line was 
really making life hard for him. You know, he clearly was bothered by the finger thing, but he still was also able to make some incredible throws. There was one that he made. Um, I'm blanking on who the receiver was. Maybe Alan Lazard, who was being covered by DJ Reed, and he still got it over him. Uh, like perfectly placed. Like Rodgers at his best is still like as good as anybody in the league. Um, but yeah, the, the Jets are making things very uncomfortable. You saw after the game, some of his quotes have come out where he's like, they need to go and get some better players, essentially, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, he, I don't know. He, he seems like it didn't seem like he didn't wasn't. I know he's pretty like chill guy from all the ayahuasca or whatever, but um, he didn't seem like very riled up. So I, I don't know. It feels like maybe he's going to retire at the end of this year or he signed that contract. I wonder if he's regretting it, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh instead of like going somewhere like Denver or or another, like maybe waiting a year and then going to another team. Like they, they don't seem like a team that's ready to compete right now. They have a lot of holes, uh, but still they have some talent on that team. They have some talented offensive linemen and the jets just absolutely beat them. And it helped that they were shutting down the running game. Uh, AJ Dillon had like one long run for like 19 yards. It didn't really amount to anything other than that. They, they shut down the running game after they'd been beaten up by Brian Mostert last week. And, and so I, I think a lot of that has to do with, I think the jets are like, doing a little pick their poison where the dolphins, they, they were going to let them do the runs. They were going to try to keep things from killing them over the top with this game. I think they were focused a little more on stopping the run and trying, you know, weirdly trying to let the the Packers receivers beat them. I think they were confident in the corners, shutting those guys down. Uh, Once Rogers finger was hurt, maybe that adjusts their plans a little bit, but just a really good play calling game from Jeff Ulbrich. And they, they, they stepped up to the challenge for sure. It's crazy. Yeah, this... We're going to look back and say that the Jets broke Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, and the Giants. This, yeah. <laughs> this is like the mo- the two weeks. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, who would have who would have predicted before? I mean, nobody would have that the Packers would lose yeah. to the Giants and Jets back to back. Like not yeah. even like spread out for over the course of the season in two straight games. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said in the last pile, like Rodgers had won 12 in a row coming off a loss. Um, crazy. They, they don't have the juice that they use. Like the NFC it. I mean, we're not, t- we're not an NFC podcast, obviously, but the NFC is like crazy wide open. Like other than the Eagles, yeah. like yeah. the Buccaneers. Anything are, other than Buc- the Buc- NFC East, really? Yeah. yeah the, like, I mean, the Bucs just lost the, to the Steelers. Yeah. The Steelers look like. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too Tom familiar with that. Yeah. Tom, Brady, yeah, Tom Brady might be tapped out as well. <laughs> <laughs> not the be- not the best look. That's for sure. <laughs> the Packers, uh, the Packers running attack, 134.8 yards per game coming into this one. 60 yards, as you said, yeah. uh, 19 carries. So right around three yards per carry. Um, and the, the great thing about this Jets defense, when you look at the way it's set up, right, is that they're able to hold with this defensive line. They're able to do that against this rushing attack. And then they're able to generate pressure on Rogers without necessarily blitzing. And it finally, I don't say finally, it's only been a couple of years, but it reminds you now, right? Like when you look at this defensive line and what this defense is doing, you can see, Salah's 49ers defense and mm-hmm. kind of what they did. I feel like it's finally kind of getting to that point where it's like, okay, this is what he had there, and now he's built it here. Yeah, I mean, you see the difference between last year when he didn't have the players and this year when he does have the players to, like, enact his defense. And, uh, you know, I think a part of that was he, he brought in a bunch of guys that played in San Francisco and had been a part of it too. It got a lot of veteran guys like DJ Reed, Solomon Thomas, Quan Alexander. Uh, guys like that. Uh, even Jordan Whitehead has some experience in like a similar, you know, well, he's close to Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman uh, recommended him to Salah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're able, they're enacting his vision that he had for this defense. Uh, even the linebackers had a pretty good game. Quincy Williams came back, was way better than I could have expected coming off an injury. 
Quan has been pretty good. The safeties, we haven't really talked about the safeties in a couple of weeks, which is a positive. So um, I said all of training camp, but I thought the defense could be really talented. And then early in the season, I started second guessing myself because they're making a lot of mistakes. Uh, but this is what I thought I saw in camp. Like, I just think this is a, this is a deep, talented defense. Yeah, they have legit depth pretty much across the board besides that safety and maybe linebacker. Uh, but even at linebacker, you saw Quincy go down and then CJ Mosley and Quan stepped up. So, um, that, like I said, this defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. This is going to be a tough one coming up on Sunday. I know everybody's, you know, ragging on the Broncos because they look like a mess, but they have a lot of talent on offense. They have a lot of talent on defense. Uh, and this defense is going to have its work cut out for it, for sure. It is one place where the fact that the Jets do rotate as much as they do right in denver that's you know of all the places in the nfl like getting all those breaks in that thin air certainly helps so maybe that's uh you know quinn and williams huffing and puffing on the sideline like we <laughs> talked about a few weeks ago uh that happens in the thin air but this team yeah. does have that that depth. i have asthma i get it <laughs> all right so that we just did 30 minutes on all the good, all the happiness. Hey, the Jets are four and two. The Jets are a good football team. But let's nitpick a little bit. Let's talk about what could be better. And obviously, the one thing that stands out is that Zach Wilson could be better. Um, we talked about how he can be a game manager, and that's fine. Um, 10 of 18, 110 yards. You'd, you'd like to see a little more production. Obviously, they ran the ball successfully. Um, one stat, though, that seems like it kind of recreates itself week after week, Zach, is um, one of seven when pressured, nine of 11 when clean. When they protect Zach Wilson, he's been effective. Uh, when he's pressured, he he's a second-year quarterback, right? That's when second-year quarterbacks struggle is when they face pressure. It just makes the, the value of that offensive line and being able to pass protect him that much bigger because it seems like every week when we see that breakdown, it's that clear that how good he can be when he has time. Yeah. I, like for sure. Any, any, most quarterbacks, I think like there's guys like Aaron Rodgers or Brady or guys that just like are, you know, or Lamar Jackson, who are just not going to be phased even when they're getting pressured. So that it, you expect the numbers to look bad, but I will say he needs, he does need to get better against pressure because he's rated as like the worst guy against pressure in the league this year and last year. Another thing we have, we have to keep reminding ourselves. And sometimes I forget is that he literally just played a 16th game of his career. Like he's still, right in his first season game wise. So I, but there, there was some, yeah, you know, they won despite throwing for 110 passing yards. You're not going to win many games when you only throw hundred. That, that's just reality. They were able to do it against a team that was supposed to be pretty good. I don't think they'll, they'll beat the Broncos with those kind of numbers. Um, he had, he had one throw in particular that was, you know, it didn't wind up getting that much attention because they won obviously, but he was getting, he was getting pressured. Uh, they were in the red zone. It was third down. He's getting chased almost to the sideline. And instead of either taking a sack or throwing it out or whatever, even getting intentional grounding, he just heaves it up into the end zone. And the guy almost should have picked it off and he didn't. That was brutal. <laughs> it was really, really bad. Um, and that those are the kind of decisions you can't make. Like I, I, some people were defending it as, you know, you got to take risks sometimes. They're not throwing it downfield. Not that risk. Like that just a really low percentage bad play. Um, that he clearly just panicked. And that's the kind of stuff that you saw last year, and you don't want to see it from him anymore. You didn't really See that from him last week or in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. Uh, you know, he's not going to be great every week. He's still a young quarterback, like I said. But but the next step to unlocking this team is Zach Wilson becoming the guy that they need him to be. And like we talked about last week, sometimes that'll be a game manager. Sometimes they're going to need him to do more than that. They can't have a passing game that just is not effective in the modern NFL. Like you can you can run it down people's throat, but 
you're going to go and get some teams where that's not going to work. So um, when the running game is not working, you need Zach Wilson to get things going. And I don't think he necessarily was like terrible in this game. They didn't really throw the ball very much. They didn't ask him to do very much. But he didn't turn it over. I mean, he didn't turn it over. He said it. He should have with that one throw. But he didn't turn it over. I don't think they've turned it over in like eight quarters or something like that or nine quarters. Something really impressive. So keep you keep that going, then you're going to have a chance any any game. If they want to start beating some good teams, like he, he needs to help that journey. When Joe Flacco was throwing it 50 something times a game, we said we can't you can't have that for this Jets team. And I think the same is with the pass attempts under 20, like in the NFL in 2022, yeah. it's like that's not going to yeah. work very often. Like I mean, when, when the running game's working, definitely feed Brees as much as possible. When you get an early lead, definitely grind it down their throat. But like I said, they're also like this game was pretty close. And because the pack, they, the, the Jets defense was keeping the offense in it. Like, I, like I've, I've tweeted this a few different times. If they could get the offense defense playing well at the same time, which it has in the fourth quarter generally, but if they can do that, even not for four quarters, for two quarters or two and a half quarters, they'd be in good shape because the defense was playing really well. The offense was not. And then eventually the offense started playing better. A lot of it because of the Brees Hall and the running attack. But um, yeah, and like, and like you mentioned the offensive line, I should sh- chat it out. They had another pretty good game. Uh, the offensive line didn't give up any sacks. Yeah, I think they only gave up like six or seven pressures or something like that. So th- that group, the five, it was the second week in a row with that five. It'll probably be there again next week. George Fan will be eligible to come off the injured reserve after next week, I think. I don't know where he's at in his recovery yet. I'm going to be very interested to see how they approach that. I imagine they would put him back in the lineup, but, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Like this offensive line has played really well. So that's going to be a very interesting decision coming up. So as as much as we critique Zach and we'll continue to do it, he's the number two pick. He's supposed to be the guy. So we're going to talk about him every episode of this podcast. And we have since he was drafted. Uh, he is three and oh as a starting quarterback this season. So, yeah, uh, wins, wins at the end of the day. What do you want from your quarterback? You want wins. And that's what he's given them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so everybody was feeling great about this game. Cheeseheads and on on Sauce Gardner and you know, we overcame a eh, passing attack, but then yesterday after the game later, Rick Samini sent out a uh, a tweet said of of all the eye-popping stat factoids today, this one was the hardest to understand. Elijah Moore zero targets, which is fair. Like, you know, not zero catches, zero targets. Um, what do you not want your receiver to do when that is out on Twitter? You don't want him to respond to it. <laughs> or if he does respond to it, you want to say, I'll have my moments like blah, 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 whatever. There's probably something there. 
Instead, this is what Elijah Moore came back with. If I say what I really want to say, I'll be the selfish guy. We winning. Grateful, huge blessing, all I ever wanted. Bittersweet for me, but I'll be solid. So I'll just say quiet. Just know I don't understand either. So basically he's saying, if I say something, I'll be selfish. But here it is. I'm going to say it. He said it. I mean, he said it. He, he couched it before he said it, but... He said it, and obviously that blows up. And then he he tweeted, well, he retweeted it later in the night, but then he tweeted, I think today, more of like a, hey, my guys know where I'm at. My teammates you know, know that I'm backing them the whole way, and he kind of took a half step back. But that said, if you're throwing the ball 18 times a game and you have three talented, four talented receivers plus talented running backs, it's impossible to keep them all happy, right? Like there's just not enough touches out there and elijah moore is the guy that's unhappy today yeah you know it's it's an interesting conversation because on one hand you know you kind of get his frustration and the way I, I i was thinking about it is you know they're winning games which is obviously the ultimate goal from all accounts he's a good teammate and all that stuff but then he, anytime you open social media you have the entire fan base and the media uh myself included because i think it's relevant obviously but everybody's tweeting about how he's not getting any targets not getting any production where's elijah moore where's elijah moore Every time he opens his phone, he sees that, uh, which mm-hmm. is a good reason to not go on social media during the season, probably. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so he's seeing that and he's being reminded about it every day. And, you know, in his head, he's like, you know, I'm getting open. I'm not I'm just not getting thrown the ball. Uh, I feel like I deserve more, all that stuff. So it's not ideal that he decided to go and air those grievances on Twitter to a degree. Um, I get the sense that maybe internally they weren't like thrilled that he did that. I don't, I don't think they're going to hold it against him necessarily. You, you want a guy to want the ball. But, you know, I, I, I even pulled up the numbers. So just like. So he didn't get targeted out that game, which was surprising. Um, I've, so he, he's run 222 routes this season, which is the 15th most of all receivers. And he's, he's averaging less than a yard per route, which is like, um, let's see, there's 87 receivers listed here. That that puts him 78. So he's he's just not being productive. He's not getting targeted. Uh, and part of that, you know, it, is Zach Wilson related. It seems like Zach just has a connection with Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios where He's still trying to figure it out. Garrett Wilson, too. Garrett hasn't really done much since Zach's been back. He had, Garrett did have two drops that were pretty tough. He needs to cut, cut back on those. Um, so Zach needs to build a better chemistry with Elijah and Garrett. But again, if they're winning, like at the end of the day, uh, that's all that's all that matters. And, you know, there's going to be there's always like you said, they have they have all these weapons now and they're not going to be able to feed all of them. Elijah has been the odd man out way longer than I thought he would be. I talked him up all training camp because I thought he looked really, really good. I thought he was going to have a star star season like legit pro bowl caliber stuff uh, especially because if you look at his numbers from last year before he got hurt like he was he was playing really well um especially later in the season so um you know it's something to keep an eye on i i kind of had a feeling this was kind of bubbling because it, it was week after week he was just not getting targeted not there was the one game at, i think it was a steelers game where he got three targets early and they didn't target him again so maybe they'll make it more concerted effort to do it. Uh, I don't know if him talking about it on Twitter is going to help his cause necessarily as much as he might think it would. If they, the bigger question is if, and when they, cause they're not going to win the rest of their games. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. I don't think they're going to win the rest of them. So if, if they're losing and he's not getting targets, how does he handle it then? Like, so I don't know. You, you don't, you don't, you prefer not to have these kind of issues, especially when things are going so well, not everybody's going to be happy at all times. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about necessarily. Uh, but it is something I'm keeping an eye on. It's something to keep an eye on. And if they if they don't start getting the ball and he starts pounding more and then it becomes a problem, then you might see him get less and less snaps for all I know. So 
he's talented enough that he deserves to be on the field. Hopefully they start getting the ball because he's their best, you know, deep threat. I think they haven't really taken many shots downfield with Zach. Right. That's so, a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Zach, Zach's going deep is a little different for a quarterback, right? And Zach's been safe and tried the more intermediate short stuff. Yeah. And, and something that John Stern just commented, he said, why is it more being used in the slot? I think that's a, that's a fair question because um, that's one thing I, I haven't really understood completely is that he's been used on mostly as an outside receiver. He's not like a huge guy. He's not like a 50, 50 catch guy, 50, 50 ball guy. Um, and I think he could be really good in the slot in the middle of the field. So I, I, I would, I would want them to use him more there. They have Garrett Wilson who they like in the slot because he can make plays after the catch and stuff like that. But I'd be curious to see if LaFleur maybe tries to like move these guys around to get to get them, you know, manufacture some touches for them with Zach. Um, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're going to go in that direction if they haven't yet. But I, I think that he uh, I think he would be a lot better as a slot receiver than a guy that's purely on the outside. The other thing I thought we'd see more from him because he could do it a little bit in college, too, is that he would be the guy that would get like the reverses and the little handoffs that seem to go to Braxton Berrios most of the time. Um, just because of his explosiveness and and in the open field, I would think, and we, I think last year it felt like he was going to be that guy that got kind of the Tyreek Hill type plays or, you know, um, and it it just hasn't been, he's been a receiver, just a receiver for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, they have Braxton Berrios for a lot of those plays. Now they have Garrett Wilson who has the skill set, probably a better skill set in those plays than Elijah. So he's kind of weirdly become an odd man out. Uh, just because of almost his skill set, uh, which is it's crazy to think they they drafted both Denzel Mims and Elijah in the second round, and they've they've like struggled to like find ways to use them. Even though I think they're both pretty talented. I mean, I, first time we brought up Mims in a while, because um, I, I don't think it's quite the same thing. But I don't know. There's some parallels there because they they've added these new guys, and it's funny. Corey Davis went from being the guy that a lot of fans were like, trade him, get rid of him. He drops it too much to like he's this old, reliable, steady receiver now he's not old he's like 27 or whatever but um i don't know that that's kind of it's what that's been pretty interesting to me like Corey davis has become the solid guy you can rely on and now they're trying to get that from the other guys all right so big picture four and two instead of i think we both have them two and four maybe at this point somewhere somewhere around that range so looking ahead you know how realistic is it to think playoffs are a possibility it's absolutely re- uh, realistic. I mean, you know, if they go into the bye with five wins, let's say uh, they win one of the next three, they're five and four after the first 10 games. I, I mean, first 10 weeks, anybody would have taken that. And they have a lot. Let me pull up a schedule real quick. So I'm, I'll have it off the top of my head. Um, okay. So after the bye, uh, you have winnable games against the Bears, Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks are all teams that are probably not going to make the playoffs. I think the, the Vikings, while they've won, they, they haven't looked like amazing in a lot of their wins. Uh, Patriots is tough. Buffalo's tough. Uh, in Miami at the end of the season, who knows what that's going to look like. But, I mean, are there four more wins there? I think so. I think you could you could say they could get four. So if you're nine and eight in, in this playoff race, you're probably getting in as one of the wild cards. If you get 10 or 11 wins, you know, maybe, I mean, they're not going to catch the Bills, so you're still just a wild card. But, um but we're talking playoffs. But you're, I know, but you're, we're talking yeah, about maybe like you're, you have to consider it. It's just, Yeah, I was thinking about it with the Giants, too. It's like, yeah. Um, at this point, if the Giants don't make the playoffs, they would have to have like an epic collapse because they're 5-1 right now. So right. it's yeah. uh, that's the crazy. I mean, four wins this early in the season, like the possibilities just like really open up for this team. And 
I am very curious to see how, you know, even like the trade deadline coming up, they have a couple of guys they could trade away that they're not using like a, like a Bryce Hall or Denzel Mims or, you know, one of the defensive linemen because they, they, they play like 11 defensive linemen every week. There'll be an emergency podcast. Yeah. If you trade yeah. yeah. But I, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, exactly. And I'm curious, I'm curious if I don't think Joe's going to make any like big splashes. I don't think they have the cap space and I don't think you want to trade too many assets, but if they start feeling like, huh, we have a real shot at the playoffs. Like, is he going to go and get another safety? Is he going to get some depth on the offensive line? Is he going to find another pass rusher? Like I, I wouldn't rule it out because Joe is really good at trade. I think he's proven that he's a really good trader and good at getting value out of guys or getting guys for value. So I, I'm, as the trade deadline approaches, which I think is around the bye week, I'm, I'm curious to see how that, how that plays out. All right. As we wrap things up, um, I got a DM this week from Christopher Murphy said, I'm pretty sure it was uh Straveler who blocked that punt <laughs> and inspired the win. Uh, snuck into a, I mean, him and Michael phone. Clemens, you know, hey, it looks just similar, like each other. similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same size. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but thank you. We always love it when somebody gives us a reason to talk about Christmas. Amazing. Uh, Straveler. So that came in. I was like, Oh, we'll get that into the pod. Um, Broncos are next. We will preview that one later on this week, probably Thursday. It looks like uh, this week we'll have a time a little bit later on, probably either afternoon or evening. Um, but enjoy the win, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your victory Monday. If you want to join the athletic, you can do it for $1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Morris. I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for checking out the can't wait podcast.